0: I'm Steve Fisher. In 1985, a new hero was born. His name, Angus MacGyver. And for seven years, he'd dive headlong into problems with nothing but a Swiss Army knife, duct tape, and ingenuity to save the day. MacGyver ran for seven seasons on ABC, countless reruns, and was rebooted on CBS for another five. Now the character is returning in the form of an interactive musical where the person who plays MacGyver is chosen from the audience before each performance. MacGyver's original series creator, writer Lee David Slotoff, and composer Peter Lurie are here to talk about musicalizing MacGyver on Life Slices. It's
1: 1989
2: and the month is November
1: November trouble, when an asset's in a bind, when you need someone on the double, who's the everyman who comes to mind, when the war in the army, or the delta force, would mean the world gets blown to bits, who's the dude who will solve your problem, by using little more than his wits? it's my guy. can stop this war, that's that's exactly what he must must achieve. Who's our striver? Survivor, Solution, contriver, survivor, skydiver, justice, and driver. Three guesses, the first you don't count.
0: We're here today with Lee David Zlotoff and Peter Laurie. Am I pronouncing that correct, Peter?
3: Yes, you are. Thank you.
0: Okay. Just like the other guy, but spelled differently.
3: Yeah, he's Peter Laurie. We don't like to talk about yeah, him. You so don't
0: much. look anything like him, so it's okay. Uh, thank you. That's the <laughs> nicest thing anyone's <laughs> ever said to me. We're going to start with a question that hopefully you can answer. We'll start with Lee. Who is Lee David Zlotoff?
2: I have been a writer, producer, and director in the entertainment industry for More years than it's usually political to say. Since then, I have obviously branched out into being an author, public speaker, and I'm now producing a musical. So, endlessly, endlessly looking to challenge myself.
3: Awesome. I like that. Who is Peter Laurie? I'm a songwriter and composer. I've had a long career in TV, mostly children's television. So, I was fortunate enough to be a part of some of the classic kids' TV shows from the 90s, The Magic School Bus gula Gullah island bear in the big blue house i've written a lot for dora the explorer that one not some other dora the explorer dora dora and i have done various other things over over the years but then i got contacted by lee to try and help put this together and here we are today my having written a musical which is very exciting for me lee
0: i'm going to take you back to the beginning of the MacGyver chapter of your life, and what uh, what originally inspired you to create MacGyver, other than the paycheck?
2: Yeah, well, well, that's a lengthy, that's really a lengthy question at the end of the day, and I will do my best to make it very brief. But the whole story is written out, and one can find it at MacGyver.com. But essentially, I was put in what seemed like an untenable situation to create a pilot and with the help of of friends MacGyver was the result to get me essentially out of a situation that I was trapped in. <laughs> so so it, it turned out to be kind of fitting all the way around that MacGyver was the solution to the situation that I was trapped in.
0: So MacGyver was born out of pain, and then he endured a lot of it through the episodes.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's <laughs> like, let's throw this guy into hell and see what he's going to do, you know? I mean, it was pretty much, that was it. This would
0: seem like a very odd idea for a musical. But where did the idea of turning this into a musical come from?
2: So it turns out that television pretty much divided the family. It's an oversimplification, but Dad liked to watch sports, and Mom liked the dramas and the soap operas, and the kids liked the cartoons and the comedies. turns out that MacGyver was one of the few shows that the whole family ended up watching together. Dad said, I, I want to see what he's going to come up with. Mom said, well, he's very cute and he doesn't use a gun. And the kid said, wait, you're going to watch this show together and we can watch with you? And it was like, yeah, it was like, whoa, this was this was kind of a cultural game changer, at least inside the household. So I do a lot of MacGyver projects. We have a MacGyver Foundation. I've written there's a, a nonfiction book. There's a fiction series. Now, I wanted to do a MacGyver project that would allow for that family to be together or the community to be together all together in one space as opposed to just watching something by yourself on a screen because I think we kind of do that far too much these days so that was really the inspiration for the musical and then a dear friend who has unfortunately passed but who is remembered on every playbill and every copy of the script named Melissa Havard was the one who suggested when I came to her, and I said, look, I'm looking to try to do this MacGyver thing. I'm thinking maybe of a musical. you have any thoughts? And she said, yes, you should cast the lead role of MacGyver out of the audience. And I looked at her like she had completely lost her mind. She sent me to look at another show which had attempted to do this, but it was not a musical. And I, I looked at this and I said, my God, she's a genius. This is absolutely right. We should cast the lead role of MacGyver out of the audience in every performance. And that fundamentally became sort of the core or the armature, or the theme of what this show was really about, which is empowering individuals to do things that they never thought they could do before. And there it was.
0: Okay, we're going to get to that. I want to delve into that a little more when we get down the road a bit. But first, how did you two get together? Peter?
3: What do you recall? My very first project for t- television was Nickelodeon's first preschool show, Eureka's Castle. I created the music on a system called a Synclavier, which was the very first digital sampler and very first hard disk recording system. Phenomenally expensive. The equipment was not owned by me, it was owned by a friend of a friend from college. And he did the sound, I did the music. We remained friends. He went on to become a screenwriter, TV writer. Met Lee many, many, many years later. I guess uh, they were working on a project for the TSA, and Lee mentioned to Hans, "I'm I want to do a musical of MacGyver." And Hans said, "Well, you should try this guy." And in 2011, I wrote a demo of. I started with a demo of the opening song, which, interestingly enough, the music, other than the uh, addition of a of an intro, the intro section, the music is substantially the same, but the tone was very different. When you think of MacGyver, the musical, your mind first, the, the first thing out of context your mind would go to probably, oh, is this is just going to be a wacky send up. And with the audience member idea, I sort of did the first version of the lyric on the theory that the idea was to sort of embarrass the audience member as much as possible by putting him in impossible situations, almost like hazing, which is really very much what the other show Lee alluded to is. The Lee was like, nope, that's not what we're doing. We are honoring, we are uplifting this audience member. We're honoring them. And the fact is, that is the key to what makes this show work, because there's nowhere to go with that simple, first of all, it's mean. And this show is playful and hopefully impactful emotionally and funny, but not mean. It's the opposite of mean. And what we find is that when the audience really, because they had a role in selecting the person who plays MacGyver, they are really invested in that person's journey on stage. This gave us somewhere to go to really sort of make him the hero. I guess that I did. I veered off of our the journey to getting to the musical, but I did five songs for an earlier version of the script, which lay fallow for a while. And I'll let Lee take up the story of that.
2: Lee, do you want to take that up, or has yeah, Peter no, said it all? <laughs> Peter and I began together, I drafted a script, we had songs, but for whatever reason, we just couldn't seem to find any interest or traction in it, and so we both had other things to do, so we put it aside, and then when the MacGyver reboot came along in 2016 and ran for five seasons from 2016 to 2021, A, there was renewed interest in MacGyver because CBS was doing another series, and B, it provided me with the resources to say, I'm going to try and revive this, this musical. And I, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I found some people here who seemed interested in working on it with me. And so, uh, so now there's sort of a team of writers. There are four of us. And and they said, listen, we have a slightly different concept than your original idea. We want to explore that. And I said, I, I like the concept. Let's go. And so then I said, Peter, are you still interested? And he said, absolutely. And so we proceeded to come up with a new script, write the songs for the show. And and then without my even asking, backers started to approach me to say, hey, we want to be involved. So we ended up then doing a, a workshop production in Telluride, Colorado, Literally just before the pandemic shut everything down, we were supposed to do eight performances. After six, they said, you're done. There's no theater anymore. Everybody go home. And we were, in that respect, very lucky because literally had, had we planned to open a week later, there would have been no performances at all. We would have spent all the money and done all the work and nothing would have happened. Those initial six performances of which four of the MacGyvers turned out to be women, and only two of them turned out to be men, and we discovered not only that this concept worked, and that the audience absolutely loved it, but it made no difference to the audience whether MacGyver was a man or a woman. It was like, let's just see how you guys are going to pull this off, because this is the craziest thing we've ever heard. So, all right, that person who we know has nothing to do with this show, has no practice, has nothing to do with musical talent per se. It's going to be the star of this musical. It's like, yep, okay, show us. And that's where it starts.
0: I love this. Now I'm, I'm waiting for a new reboot of the TV show with somebody from the outside audience playing MacGyver each week.
3: <laughs> I'd settle for a reboot with songs.
4: Underneath my bed, there is a photo Edges curling, image fading out of view You can see my father holding me My mother's holding Johan But memories, I only have a few And then the screen goes black What they longed for What they tried their stories loud and clear I don't want to leave my country strange to say I love my country or what it will be when they get out of our way so I go up to my roof and as I think of how we're treated here I turn to face the future and I say you may have been to me but I'm not
0: your writing process? How did you work together? Peter, you you did the music and lyrics, correct? Correct.
3: I always say that my entire career has really been, has really consisted of writing songs for specific dramatic situations. It's just that way too much of them have been about sharing, and everything's better when you do it with friends. (laughs) Which, as it happens, turns out to be the moral of MacGyver the Musical, but, you know... (laughs) It's a curse. It's a curse wherever I go. If you want me to write a tragedy, if you want me to write a tragedy, I guarantee the moral's going to be everything's better when you do it with friends. <laughs> anyway, so so I have, a, I have a very, I have literally hundreds and hundreds of songs under my belt before I started MacGyver. I have a, a rather detailed process that I like to go to. I'm very, very hard on the song moment, meaning I really, really, really need to understand exactly out of what dramatic situation the song arises and is something supposed to happen dramatically during the song and where do we end up at the end and so i general what happened is that we would i get enough of an outline of a scene so that i could start there has to be with the exception of say the opening song which was essentially kind of like a tv theme song i always wait until there's a clear outline of a scene before i dive into a song because otherwise i don't really know What's going to happen? Interestingly, the original version of that opening song was a TV theme song, but then in Houston, we actually expanded it and included and sort of interwove some dialogue to kind of complete. So we were going in and out of scene and song. So there was an evolution with that. But outline first, then I do very elaborate, very precise demos where I sing all the parts. I always say it's a collaboration between me and my pitch correction software. And then I'll submit the demo to Lee and the team and they'll make comments and sometimes it's close and sometimes it's throw it out and start over. And but but basically by the time we got to both Telluride and Houston, I had full versions of all of the songs, which then of course changed during the course of the rehearsal period, but that's how that's how that works.
0: Were there indications in the script of where the song should go or yeah. did-
2: Oh, yeah, we, 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 we would obviously say the emotional quotient of this moment now asks for a song. Okay. Right? And then Peter would say, okay, wh- where is the song coming from? Where is the song going? Sometimes I would write bad lyrics because Peter would say, so what do you tell me? What you're thinking? So I would write bad lyrics, and he go, "Oh, okay. Let's throw those out." Now I know what I'm talking about. And, and it was like it was always always me offering him something that he could completely discard, but it was like perfect to get him going in a certain direction. And so it's like there are dozens of lyrics that I wrote which will never be sung or seen by anybody, and it's probably just as well. So, but but he is Peter at, at the risk of embarrassing him. He is really a master at looking at what is the center of this emotional moment and how do I express that musically. And whenever I would have a note or a question or a concern about a song, we would really keep, we would dig rather deeply sometimes into why this word is opposed to that word. You think, well, but who cares? It's going to go by so fast. Is anybody going to know the difference? And the answer was, yeah, it will make a difference sometimes. And so it was a very collaborative process, but a very productive one.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for the kind words. I will say just to that it takes surprisingly little to turn a song that's working into one where you've lost the thread. And that's what you always as a songwriter, I'm always like I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it, suddenly I'm not feeling it. Why am I not feeling it? Oh, it's that chord or whatever.
0: Well, I have I have an idea for you and a way for Lee to use his lyrics. There's a British company that's doing that did a show called The Play That Goes Wrong and they're now doing Peter Pan Goes Wrong. And and I think you can do MacGyver goes wrong and use Lee's words.
2: <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you, it, we have now had something like thirty plus people play MacGyver because in the world premiere in Houston, I think we had like twenty five or thirty so performances of people ranging all sexes, genders, eighteen to eighty five years old, and and when everything goes as. We plan it. It's it's great, and when things go off the rails, the audience seems to love it even more. <laughs> it's like you—they see, they realize, because the cast goes, "Okay, the MacGyver just read that raw that line wrong," and so they kind of stop and go, "Oh, did you mean to say this?" And the MacGyver <laughs> they go, "Yeah, I meant to say." That and, and the audience just completely goes crazy because it's like, yep, this could only happen in an absolutely live circumstance.
0: I think it would be great if Richard Dean Anderson came to the show and wasn't chosen for the lead. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, not sure how he'd feel about that. But one of the one of the to to what Lee said, I think one of the things that that made it a really interesting acting challenge for our cast because you have to keep in mind there is a full professional cast there that. Is very busy. Is sometimes they'd have a scene partner with tons of energy. Sometimes they'd have a scene partner with not that much energy, and they have to f- adapt the style and their goal. Because when the MacGyver looks good, they look good. And so it was. I think it was a very unusual acting challenge for, especially for Ingrid, who has a lot of the interaction with MacGyver.
0: Have you used the same actors in different productions? Uh, there, some
2: yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we somebody who was in Tell Telluride did did come. I think it was uh, Hannah Clark Levine who played Ingrid in both productions. And then when we recorded the album, which was just released at the end of January, most of the people from the Houston production, of course, turned out they were New York New York actors. And so we decided to record in New York. And since they already knew the songs, we used most of them, and then put in a couple of stars, Taylor Lautner. And Brandon Victor Dixon and one of the recurring stars on the MacGyver reboot, who before then I didn't even know was a singer named Tristan Mays. So those were kind of like the stars we added to it. And then the rest of the cast was mostly from the Houston production because they lived in New York. There were a couple of Houston actors and we just recast those for the album.
0: I'm fascinated by this Concept of having a civilian come out of the audience and do this. I've done pr- musical productions and I know it's hard enough to do when you've had plenty of rehearsal time. How does this work when somebody's just dragged out of the audience and
2: you're, you're MacGyver? Well, uh, I'll tell you exactly how it works. We, we have a number of techniques, but primarily we have a person called McQ, who is really the on stage guide slash director for that person and they have cue cards with them and whenever it's time for MacGyver to say a line they push the cue card in front of them and then MacGyver knows I'm supposed to say this line and at the same time they say look you you watch me if I strike a pose you strike a pose if I make a face you make a face and what's crazy about this is you would think this would be incredibly distracting if not boring but after about 10 minutes the audience stops seeing that person. They're so focused on what MacGyver is going to do or say at any given moment that It's like a Japanese no-play. You just don't see the people in the black costumes anymore. That person could be in a very bright costume in our show. It doesn't matter. You just stop seeing them because it's like, what? I'm looking at MacGyver because they're the one I know. Anything could come out of that person. So that's the principal device we use. And it it works. It really works so well, Steve, that in, in every iteration we do, we keep giving more and more to to the MacGyver person rather than trying to give them less and less and marginalize them. It's like, no, that's the gold of the show.
0: So does MacGyver have any musical solos or musical (laughs) parts?
3: Yes. Yes. I, 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 as we were heading to Telluride, I, the idea came up. I I think I might've been the person who it, I say, look, I don't know how we're going to do it, but unless we get MacGyver to sing a song, we're not fulfilling our contract with the audience as represented by the title MacGyver, the musical. And so I designed a song. We designed a song called You've Got You in which it's, it's essentially a fairly basic got y blues number in which MacGyver makes up the melody when off reading the lines off cue cards. And pretty much because it's a fairly standard musical format, kind of any melody will do. And if the melody's off, that's entertaining as well. And, and so just to clarify on the album, we, we had a nationwide online contest hosted by Broadway World, and we came up with this fantastic singer, composer, songwriter, RJ Christian. He riffed on, he elaborated on the melody that was in my original demo. It's very neat and tight on the album. In live performance, there's space built, extra space built in for the lines because you can't be sure that the MacGyver is going to deliver it exactly in the time you want. So it's a really cool challenge And the audience is so totally behind the person, it ends up bringing down the house.
0: Sorry, guys, but I'm not here to start a war. But MacGyver, if you won't call in your army, then there's no one to stop the invasion. Sure there is. There's all of you. Us? We have nothing. Not true. If you really think about it, you have everything you need. Like
2: what? Well, you've got your music.
1: We've got our music. You've got this place So what? You've got Broadwurst Where are you going with this, Mac? But more than that You've got you You've You've got got you. you Yeah, you've got you indeed And once you know that you've got you Then you've got what you need We Interesting. Wait, how? See your brains all you need to win this fight. Yeah, but handcuffs can free you. Am I right? Hmm. Smoke will stop the stasi. If you give it a chance. Sometimes it's as simple as taking off your pants. You got you. You got you. Yeah, yeah. You got you. And that is something Than the barrel of a gun you got you. You got you Yeah, yeah, you got you And that is something you see. Something in indeed you You'll always have what you need We're gonna get what we need Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah got you, how have got you, how have got you Listen up now you I want to talk you. to you for a minute I got you. Well, princesses
0: Bring a lot of heartache and pain There's so much you can do Tape in your brain. This humble pocket knife here can foil a bomb. If
1: you know how to use it, keep it head stay calm. Cause your mind is a tool that is sharp and exact. We believe you, MacGyver.
2: We know you're not
1: acting. Wait. Dance break. Whoa.
3: to add one thing to, to what Lee said about the way we dealt with audience MacGyver. The way I like to think of it is, if you go to a magic show, they invite an audience member up, which appears to inject an element of randomness in it. And it does, in fact, to some extent. In reality, that's the most tightly controlled part of the magician's show. We cannot, nor do we want to achieve that level of control. But there is still a parallel there, in that the audience's the audience wants to feel they're they're seeing a professional production, so a lot of the ingenuity, if you will, goes to how can we keep MacGyver front and center in as concise a way as possible so that they're not struggling, they have the freedom to deliver the best read of each line they can. MCQ, the person who guides MacGyver through the show, has one of the most challenging jobs in the show because... It's like a dance, it's like a mime, and the exact timing of when they flip over the cue cards is huge.
0: And I'm also guessing that you get people from the audience who are comfortable with this. They're not selected at random.
2: No, no, they they volunteer. We, we have a brief, we have like a 10-minute audition. The audience comes in, gets seated. We ask for volunteers. There's usually too many volunteers, so we only choose like three or four at the most because these people now, they show up in leather jackets with rolls of duct tape and Swiss army knives. I mean, they are determined to be MacGyver. And then because it's a musical, we make them act a line and sing a line and dance. And then by their applause, the audience decides... Who's going to be MacGyver? So the person who is MacGyver wants to be MacGyver. No one is, you know, we don't pluck people out at random and and shine a spotlight on them. And so you have someone who theoretically is is up for it. And the, it turns out the best MacGyvers are not necessarily ones with the best voices. They're the people who sort of have the most gumption. Because they're just sort of willing to just dive in and do it. Whatever it is they do, that gives a lot for our cast to then play off of. And the audience is just enthralled
3: it's a tricky balance because we want spontaneous acting from them but we make it very clear to them the the lines are the lines this is not we're not looking for for you to make up lines and that in fact we have the whole audience repeat always read the cue cards at the end of the audition because it's very easy it would be very easy for them to assume oh my job is to go in and just do whatever i want but if the show actually the more seriously they take it the more wonderful and effective, effective and entertaining it is.
0: So there's no improvisation in, in the show?
3: Almost none. Almost. Yeah, none. Other got, than the melody. Not, the melody yeah. for, for, for You've Got You is improvised. But, uh-huh. right.
2: but we're, we're not asking them to improvise. We're asking them really to sort of jump in and play along. How
0: many productions have there been so far? There have
2: been two productions. Two
0: productions, and what are the plans going forward?
2: We're now in the process of talking to a number of producers and actually immersive experience companies because this is a very interactive show. There's a place in the show where the audience gets on the stage and dances. We have a beer and bratwurst party in the middle of it. We pull people out of the audience to do various things throughout the show. And now my goal is to, believe it or not, wrap the audience in screens. So imagine the Van Gogh experience, let's say, except instead of just standing there and looking at pretty pictures of paintings, you're inside the Van Gogh experience, except that becomes the surroundings for the musical. The way I put it is MacGyver is sort of a mashup between a TV show and a musical, but we want you inside the television set, not on the outside looking in. We want you on the inside going, whoa, I'm in this thing. It's like, yep, you are in this thing.
0: What made you decide to do a record album of this before there was a major production mounted?
2: Well, interestingly enough, when we were in Houston, I started getting calls from producers saying, I'm interested in doing the MacGyver concept album. And I said, wow, that's great. What's a concept album? And they said, well, even before the show has become a big success, you can produce an album. It's a good way to sort of start getting exposure and also potential revenue for further productions. So I talked to my partners at the time and I said, What do you guys think? And it seemed to make sense. And so really. Briefly, after the Houston production, which ended in, in just about a year ago, in March of 2022, we moved into producing an album which took the better part of 2022 for a variety of reasons. And then we decided to release at the end of January, this January. So the impetus was, i it hadn't even occurred to me to do that until these producers started calling me and saying, I want to do your album. <laughs> well, what are you talking about?
0: Is the album commercially available now?
2: Oh, yeah. No, it's on all the streaming services and you can go to Yellow Sound Label. Yeah, Yellow Sound or Broadway Records. It's available on both of their websites. I think it's available on Amazon, although I suspect it costs more on Amazon than <laughs> on the other places. But and you can get it on iTunes or Spotify or whatever you want.
3: Just a little plug for the CD. If you get the CD, you also get a synopsis with the song titles in place, which is a nice thing, and some other full
2: cast list and
3: background of the and some pictures of the Houston production. I think.
0: And now we have anybody under twenty five asking, "What's a CD?"
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: absolutely.
2: Well, well, I was surprised because when we made the deal with the distributor, they said, we're going to do CDs. I said, why? They said, well, believe it or not, 25% of our sales are CDs. And even now, they said, we're starting to get requests for vinyl for vinyl albums so there may one day be a vinyl album of MacGyver the Musical but we haven't gone that far yet that's right who would have
0: thought that we get to a point where you know you've really made it when they want a vinyl version
2: <laughs> Yes. it's like <laughs> it's, yeah it's the new it's, thing it's the new thing it's like the more the things change world. the more they stay the same so yeah yep.
0: are you up in the air now or is there anything set is there anything any production coming up anywhere that we should know about
2: there is not a set production yet. I'm hoping that within the next month or two, we will be able to announce that. Because there are, let's just say there are there are discussions afoot, but it's premature, would be premature to say anything specific. It seems as if the interactive immersive universe is kind of moving into theater right now in a big way. Because as we seem to be on the forefront of, okay, the way theater used to be, it's not enough to get people away from their screens. You gotta give them something they really can't have at home. So, just sitting in a seat and watching something on a stage, not enough because you go, you know, I could just sit home and be looking at a big TV screen that's half my wall. And so, this interactive and immersive element is now very much on the cutting edge of where theater seems to be going and it just so happens to coincide with what we've been trying to do from the get-go so that's kind of exciting and and that's why there seems to be a considerable amount of interest right now in putting this particular next production together but we'll see
0: so i just have to ask does the person who gets picked to be macgyver do they get their admission back
2: (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't you know it's an interesting idea. I don't think we've we've thought about it because when you think about it, there's an empty seat in the show. You know, we <laughs> could sell it to somebody That's, else. They go, a, a good point. But who's going to be sitting in that seat? Yeah, That's you could funny. get to the That's point funny. where
0: where there have been so many MacGyvers that unionize.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should be so lucky, Stephen. <laughs> Is there any question that you would like to answer that I haven't asked?
2: Hmm. Wow.
3: Is there that, any question? To that's any a other great questions? question. I don't have any, but uh, <laughs> but it's a fine question.
2: I would say I would say we really looked for this show to just be flat out fun. Although there can be messages that people could take away from the show and all that stuff, we really just wanted something that was flat out fun. And what came out of this surprisingly enough is something that audiences find inspiring. And that that was really a discovery that we all made. And all you can say is, what a what a gift, because people walk out of this show high as kites because they go, I didn't want to be MacGyver, I didn't try to be MacGyver, but now that I've seen this, I could have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they feel empowered and inspired by this fun show, which... As Peter says on first thought you think it's just going to be a silly spoof but it's really not a silly spoof it really is much more than that
3: and right and that's what I wanted to say I wanted to say people of earth who only encounter our our album on Spotify it's not a parody and not only is that not disappointing it's really cool and it's really fun and something much more it's something much more interesting and more fun than a parody would be so that's I. I encourage you all to check it out.
0: Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. it. It's been a pleasure having you on Life Slices, and I'm looking forward to MacGyver coming to my town.
3: Thank you so thanks much, Stephen It's
1: MacGyver. MacGyver.
0: MacGyver. My thanks to Lee David's Lotop and Peter Laurie for taking us on their creative journey. Be on the lookout for MacGyver the Musical, possibly coming to your town sometime soon. The thought of audience starring musicals is a fun idea. I started as a performer in stage musicals and did three separate productions of Fiddler on the Roof, but never got to play Tevye. That's on my bucket list. I might just have to find an interactive production and volunteer.
3: If you liked this program, please like Life Slices
0: on social media and subscribe wherever you find fine podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesleyan Studios.
1: Let's and join us here on stage.